You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Hi everyone and welcome to a very special edition of Hawks Insiders, a podcast today where we are going to have a bit of a look at some pre-season competition uh the pre-season competition side of things obviously Hawthorne have a wonderful history when it comes to pre-season uh having topped the premiership ladder in the past um and to help chat with us today on all things uh Hawthorne pre-season we're going to look at the 99 pre-season grand final we're going to look at the competition in general we will have the great Paul Salmon with us. But before I introduce the fish, uh, Danny Prins on line today as well. Looking forward to this chat. Oh, so much reason. I'm glad you started with me because starting with fish and then coming back down to me would have been a real significant drop off. So it's great to be here. It's great to chat to a man who I grew up watching and idolizing. And uh, yeah, it's a bit, bit of a surreal pinch me moment, but I'm really excited to have a chat. Well, I'd say we're going in height order, but that would be wrong because you'd be right down there at the bottom, Prinzi. Uh, but in terms of the other end, uh, obviously, without further ado, a big fish, Paul Salmon. Thank you very much for your time and jumping on for a chat today. Uh, absolute pleasure. It's um, uh, And I'm a little bit uh, sort of embarrassed, a little bit humbled by that, that intro. Thanks, boys. Um, obviously, you're a long time retired, and um, it's always lovely to get a chance to talk about some of your favourite memories. So... I've been looking forward to this. Fantastic. Well, I think we've kind of got three sort of angles to our chat today. One's the preseason competition in general. One's reliving the 1999 ANSET Cup out at Waverley. And then a few specific Hawk questions. Um, But so I guess just to get started, the preseason competition, uh, back in the day, it was... um, well, it was significant and it actually meant quite a lot to everyone involved in in football, from players to coaches to administrators to fans. What did the competition mean to you? Uh, well, uh, I was brought up, I know you guys don't want to start here, but I was brought up on a diet of how Kevin Sheedy approached them. Um, and uh, they were always taken very seriously. Premiership's a premiership and I'm... Um, a lot went into it. Uh, the best teams were available played. Uh, no no player was spared. If you're um, able and uh, willing, then uh, you're out there. And look, they had, they had some gravitas and they, they had some respect. And, um, you know, we took them, we treated them uh, appropriately. Uh, obviously, when they first started in the 80s, they were in season. So we were playing on Tuesday nights. Um, and it was an opportunity for the clubs that were probably weren't a red hot or a genuine chance for Dave Premiership Honours to get some sort of silverware. So um, you had a bit of a disconnect at times. So some of the top teams would be mindful, but you know how much, you know, you look at here, Dermot and Dipper talk about their five-day, five-night all the time. And, and and that kind of tells you what they meant because because they were fought for. They weren't, it wasn't a Mickey Mouse experience like the AFL's made it into nowadays. It was a genuine let's go at it let's get the silverware um and um create that real that memory and obviously sometimes they provided some great impetus into the season proper 
And it probably echoes um, a lot of the state of origin stuff where um, sports science has taken over um, player loads, player management, um, injuries, all tracking into the season proper that takes priority. Do you feel like because of that, there's a sense of loss that the preseason is, is just that? Uh, I've got to preface everything I'm going to say today is um, uh, on the basis I love the game and, and haven't stopped loving it. I think it's great, but it evolves. Um, but the, the reality of it is as you introduce a uh, more money into the, the game, so it commercially becomes a, uh, a monolith in itself. And of course, you've got a lot that comes with that. Um, you can understand why the, uh, the emphasis on anything other than a, a, a the the 24-round premiership is um, insignificant. So I can see what's happened to the competition. I can see why State of Origin, and we've lost it. But we've lost, uh, I think we've lost a couple of special things. Um, You know, they were dance floors for some of the lesser-known players to shine, um, particularly in the pre-season and the in-season night series. Uh, Yeah, players got opportunities. Players got their break in those competitions. So they were significant for us. and, And most of the boys from my area would reflect on them very positively. You know, coaches weren't sparing the horses. You know, the, the, as I said earlier, if um, you know, no matter where you were in the pecking order of the of the playing list, you played if you were fit. Um, so yeah, there's a romance about all that, isn't there, Andrew and Daniel? You kind of reflect and and know that you're a small part of it. And um, uh, and then when you say you've won, in my case, two day, three night, it's kind of it, it's it's not insignificant because you know you went to war in those games to win them. So hey, we'll. we'll We'll make them, yeah, we, we reflect on them very positively like that. Yeah. If your, your segue, um, the next question we were going to ask was, you know, you, you won three preseason comps or night comps and um, where do they sort of fit in the overall scheme of your career, your accolades, all that sort of stuff? Uh, personally, they, they, they sit, I, I, they sit in a really positive, reflective place. I mean, they're not, it's, they're not the ultimate silverware, so we've got to be, you know, you've got to be mindful of the fact that um, they were they were a part of a they were part of the ecosystem at the time that was important for sponsors, it was important for clubs who were trying to get somewhere. So, uh, but I finally remember them, and I'm I'm proud of them. So, uh, I think without any hesitation, um, very proud of being a part of those. Uh, you know, the one with Hawthorne in '99 is one of the most significant wins of my football career, um, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm very, very pleased to say I had quite a few significant experiences in footy. But where Hawthorne was at the time in our evolution, and um, uh, it was uh, it was unexpected, uh, and it bound a group of guys together that were going to introduce only two years later the Sam Mitchells and Luke Hodges of the world into into um, the club um, and the culture of the club. So, you know, it was kind of like although that was only a night. Premiership or Grand Final, it was it was a bridge between 1991 and the 2001 juggernaut that turned into 2008 and so forth. So I know that might sound a stretch for some people, but you carry Shane Crawford forward, you carry Mark Graham, you carry Daniel Harford, you carry a lot of these boys, Ben Dixon's. They're the ones that are now introducing the Luke Hodges and all the other, you know, you know Jordan Lewis's into that world, and they tasted something. It wasn't the ultimate success. But they could—they got a lot of joy out of it, and we celebrated that win. So, uh, a hugely fond memory. And because I can only say I can't say I'm a Premier Hawthorne Premiership player, 
uh, it's the next best thing, isn't it? Like I, I, I got silverware for Hawthorne. I was a part of a team that won silverware for Hawthorne and um, the history books recognize it. And um, that, that'll do me. I mean, I don't think I went to Hawthorne to win premierships necessarily because everyone understood where the team was at and the club was at, but um, uh, that was significant in its own, in its own way. And so moving into the 99 season, we'd won five in a row, only eight games for the season in 98 and won the last five. So um, there was a sense of expectation that we were building something and and obviously 1999 as a whole didn't go to script, but um, we carried in a sense of expectation into the season. So it must have on top of that that wave of expectation been been a, a huge thing for the boys yeah it was a building block there's no question about that because you look at 2000 my final year at Hawthorne and we made it into I think the second semi we made it into the second week of the finals um and then in 2001 the, I was on there the boys made the preliminary final and then of course we introduced all this talent so I mean it might be a stretch to say the night premiership of 1999 was a, a catalyst but uh it was a, an important building block for what came after um and you know when you retire you're handing over a you're handing over to a group of guys that have uh, some foundation of self-belief that they've tasted something that's special. They've achieved something as a group. Um, and these are all really important little pieces of that ultimate premiership puzzle that, you know, fortunately Shane Crawford went on to experience. A lot of those other boys didn't, you know, and so they'll finish their careers um, with that as something that they hold pretty dear. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what we, no one expected much of us in 99, I think, but, yeah, we finished with a bit of flurry, which was fantastic. Um, we were kind of, we knew in a way we were, we were striving to be successful, but you know, in a way, you know, in your heart, you're holding the, you're holding the fort. We we may not have won many games that year, boys, but there weren't weren't too many we weren't competitive in, um, and we didn't we weren't embarrassing for the Hawthorne fans. We were, I think, the Hawthorne fans were on a ride at that moment, at that point in time. Um, you know, really sticking fat after the 96 merger and, you know, the galvanisation that took place. So there was a lot going on in the late 90s. And, I, and I'm not sure it's reflected on as positively as it should be. That playing group really dug super deep to play a part in saving the club um, and then play a part in establishing the Hawthorne that was to come. And that's that's what I believe anyway. Yeah, and I think um, with all of the episodes we've done with the golden years, looking back across, you know, those few years, um, despite the memory bank of some of the results, exactly as you said, in terms of what it was as a bridging gap from one successful generation to the next, certainly can't be underplayed. Now, you mentioned the 2000 semi against the Kangaroos. Um, Other than that game, this this preseason grand final, because you didn't play the end of '99, the the last game at Waverley. Um, this was actually the second biggest Hawthorne crowd, and you mentioned the crowd. This is the second biggest Hawthorne crowd you played in front of behind the oh. 2000 semi, and only by a couple hundred people. So it was it was a massive um, yeah. carnival atmosphere at the game, wasn't it? It was, it was. Uh, I remember I didn't play the last few rounds in 99 because I had this nasty facial fracture um, that I got in a game um, late in the season. So and I remember that period well. Um, there was there was momentum around the club. I mean, uh, and as I said before, we did nothing to um, 
but nothing less than carry a really strong torch for Hawthorne in that period, I, I believe. Um, and the fans could hang on to something that we were uh, a part of, you know, um, the fabric of a culture that was successful and, you know, winning was, you know, the only, the only objective. So uh, we didn't, I don't think we sort of misstepped on that. I mean, I remember that crowd, I remember it being, you know, right into the game, um, which was fantastic. And, uh, I think that really added to it. We uh, we uh, certainly had fun with the crowd. The boys, I remember standing at centre back at one stage with Mark Graham, and who was the poor bugger was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders in the back line in those days. We didn't have Chris Langford anymore or Ray Jenke. Pritchard was gone. All these boys, so he was, and he wasn't. Yeah, you know, he was. He's a modern day wingman, really, uh, Hebe. Um, but I talked to him. You know, sometimes to calm him down and settle him. Sometimes just to stuck in the moment and yeah we used to have a bit of fun I because I was dropping back to help him out a lot in those days um so I'd just say hey how many people do you reckon are here and he'd have a guess this is when the ball's you know away and um or a dead ball or something um and Nick Collins taking a ruck contest for me and he'd go oh 70 thousand you reckon I say I say yeah I reckon how, how many are here to reckon how many are here you reckon to watch me and that sort of stuff and and we just have a bit of fun with it but I remember all the banter and all the moments we opportunities we took to appreciate what we were doing and Anything I took out of my long career at that stage was I wanted to teach the young blokes that there are moments where you can appreciate what you're doing in the hustle and bustle of a game. It's it's important to to know that you've got a great job and you're doing what you love. Um, and the people actually paying to come to see you. I mean, this is crazy, you know. So so we had some fun with it. I remember the 1996, just really quickly, the final round against Melbourne, which is the whole merger game. And I referred to how much of a role the players played in that. You know, you know, we made the finals that year. We, you know, Bung, Jason Dunstall did his knee in that first final against Sydney. Creswell kicks a goal in the goal square to win by two points. We could have gone deep in that final series, I believe, but we didn't. Um, but but the players, you know, they had, did their end of the bargain. It enabled Don Scott to get on a stage a few weeks later and rip that hawk off the Melbourne Guernsey um, off the back of a Hawthorne team showing a lot of guts and grit and character to make the finals that year when no one uh, we'd finished second bottom in year four. Um, so there's all these little sort of narratives that run through to 1999 and then into the early 2000s, which um, uh, I hope will be fondly remembered by the, the fans that were around at the time and, and appreciate what, what was, what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you, you talked a little bit about, you know, taking a moment to appreciate what you were doing uh, as, as players. And, and I'd like to take a moment to appreciate what you were doing uh, in that in that '99 uh, NZ Australia Cup final, uh, Paul, because you were the Michael Tuck medalist, and um, that's, it was it was a fair old game by you. Uh, like like you mentioned, dropping behind the ball, allowing uh, Nick Holland and Jonathan Robberin to do sort of a bit of the forward half ruck work and and stuff like that. Um, what did it mean to you to win uh, the Michael Tuck medal, and even more so being um, a, a Hawthorne player winning a medal named after you know one of the greats of the football club? No, it's a good question, Dan. I, I, I've got to be honest, it was a huge thrill. Uh, you know, you're keeping it in perspective, you know, it's, it is what it is on a, in a game that's maybe, you know, not taken as seriously as some others. But as I said at the time, we're taking them very seriously. To win Tucky's medal was cool. To, to come into a club, um, not to be overly self-indulgent, but I was pretty broken when I got to Hawthorne at the end of 95, going into the 96 season. So I had to rebuild myself. And to win a couple of best and fairest when I got there was fantastic. But um, I knew in 1999, my body was getting harder to carry around the park. Waverley was a beautiful ground to play on. It was a big park. So you couldn't play the modern ruck work game there. You had to be really clever about your angles. Um, 
So to have a Robin and a Holland able to sort of do that half forward stuff for me was a godsend. Um, so yeah, to, 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 if I was to pass it up and say to win best on ground in a night grand final, wearing the Hawthorne jumper, having grown up being a huge Hawthorne fan, um, it was special. There's no other word for it. It was pretty special. And, um, you know, I've got Tucky's medal framed. Uh, I know it's odd, but, um, you know, it's symbolic to me, you know, because I'm 34 now. I'm, I'm in the back end of my career. And, um, yeah, to do that, I felt like it was almost for the Hawthorne Footy Club. It was a thank you um, in a way. I know it sounds corny, but I went out there determined to play well, um, determined to win this game. And um, for it to finish the way, it was very satisfying. I've got to be, I've got to be honest, yeah. We and our listeners do and appreciate Corny very, very well. So you don't have to worry about that at all. Um, You mentioned being able to take the moment to enjoy it. Um, The game itself, and and we didn't have very many moments over the course of a decade. 99 provided us with a few in in the last game at Waverley, smashing the Swans. Yeah. The Saints come back, um, which we can talk on and on and on about. And often I you do. Can. <laughs> um, but but this game itself, when you kick the first 10 goals to to nil through, you know, halfway through the third quarter in a game in a grand final in front of fifty thousand. Again, it's it's Port Adelaide, so they're mainly Hawks supporters on a yeah. cold, wet, windy Saturday night at Waverley. Like it was actually party time. There was the good feels and the good buzz about it. Yeah. it just kicked on through the game. Yeah, that that was that was a lovely memory. I mean, obviously, some of these games can be pretty stressful to the final siren, and you and you need help to recall elements of it. You need your mates to say, "Oh, what about X, Y, Z?" And you need to fill in the gaps, or you need to watch a review tape. Or, but this was a game. Um, not to, you know, not to say that we, uh, you know you're not into the game and and, and really centred with it. But uh, I, I think at that stage of my career, I was able to sort of um, have those occasional out-of-body experiences and, and um, you know, bring my teammates into my world, um, into my universe for, for a minute and relax them, relax myself, um, you know, pretty sure what we're doing, as I said before. Uh, and that game enabled us to do it. So when it got to the final siren, um, I've got one of my favourite photos I think uh, I think it's the same one. Brendan Crummel was near me, uh, Daniel Chick, um, and a few of the boys, and uh, we were jumping on one another like we'd won a, a day premiership. Which, and I just love that for those boys because, you know, Craig Trelevin, these sorts of guys um, that I'm not sure many Hawthorne supporters remember, but Jock was a ripper, um, a good football, so he knew how to accumulate. That's for sure, um, and highly skilled. But anyway, I love those boys dearly, and um, and all my teammates. We had a really Although I felt like a father because I'm, you know, ten years older than the next bloke, but we we had a close bond, and um, to have that moment together was uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of guys who, uh, I mean, you, you pinpointed Craig Trelevin actually had a great game, and and Mark Graham had ten touches in the first quarter, so you, you've yeah. already pinpointed um, a few guys. But it's exactly the same. It was exactly the same for the fans because any fans um, coming through supporting the club in the nineties, same as the players. And you talking about wanting to have that element of success. This, for yeah. a lot of fans, was the first real taste in person of success. Fair enough. Yeah, and that's true. 
That's true. Um, and yet we had a great legacy from the 80s and the early 90s of fans who were spoiled. And I think that was part of the, I wouldn't say problem, was part of the, the fabric at the time because um, just as players can, fans can get satisfied as, as players can sometimes. And that is a dangerous place for a club to be. Um, and I think, you know, in the mid-90s, I was getting a lot of noise when I arrived in 96 that, oh, Fish, you know, we've had so much success and it's been great. And, you know, uh, and it was very reflective. Um, but that wears off too. And and fans get impatient and players get impatient. And I think, um, you know, uh, Hawthorne off the impetus of a merge year were, um, you know, uh, and all the culture, we never lost that culture of the 80s and the 90s because, you know, you can't, you can't pay that disrespect to, to play with John Platten was a joy for me, for example, right? And so you think, I thought you'd think of those guys at those times. I mean, they won premierships with Hawthorne and stuff, but they'd only retired a year or two earlier, like Dunstall and Platten and Langford. And, you know, and to be honest, I'm a bit of a fanboy. So I would have loved to have played in a premiership with Langford, Dunstall and Platten and Jenky and these boys I started with in 96. I would have loved that in Pritch. And, but we didn't get that chance. But here with all these, the, the next generation, the next wave and, yeah, I, I, yeah. This opportunity you're giving me today kind of uh, gives me a chance to sort of, um, sort of let it wash over me again one more time. Just, you know, not in a big way because life moves on pretty quick, doesn't it? But um, it's it's good to be indulgent just occasionally, and uh, it was a it was a it was a it was a pretty cool time. It's a very very special moment. It's probably a great segue to transition through to today because you talk about um, not being complacent or not being happy with what's happened in the past and the success. And um, we've got a coach and a team now that is well and truly going through uh, a total redevelopment. Um, what's your take on on the whirlwind that has been Sam Mitchell and and how do you feel he's going and he's placed with the, the total club and list redevelopment? Yeah. Hey, look, there's a lot of bad analogies you could use for what Sam's doing. You know, you don't half paint a house and you don't, you know, you don't half wash a car. And I, I kind of like the fact that Sam is doing the total makeover. Um, in a way, it's hard for some boys. I'm sure it's been difficult for some of them moved on. Um, uh, but the reality is Sam is putting his fingerprints over this. So I had the pleasure of, um, in my last year at Hawthorne, Sam's first year in 2000, strangely, he was just a, a young bloke It was sort of, um, one of those, I, I met a lot of them, um, just angry little blokes who kind of think the world, they got to prove something to the world. Um, and I loved him. He was just, you could see that that determination in Sam as, as a very young player. And because he wasn't as quick as a lot of blokes his size, um, he had a lot to prove and I think uh, had some doubters. So to do what he, to see what he did with his career, um, indulge me for a second. I thought it was spectacular what Sam did with his footy career. What he's doing now as a coach sort of reflects a bit of his, his personality. Um, he's he's clearly determined to make this uh, no one else accountable for what happens over the next four or five years other than him. He, he's, this is his team. Um, they'll play like the way he wants them to play. Uh, it's not going to be a smooth journey, of course. It's going to come with some lumpy bits, but um, I think you know if you if you communicate really well with the fan base and let it help them understand that um, you know these are your realistic expectations on the team. Um, I think it'll I think it'll be good. I think Hawthorne we have the benefit as Hawthorne fans to say well you know kind of sport we have been kind of sport so we're going to be a bit more patient and we can do that for Sam because you know icon of the footy club and of the league. Um, 
So it's a nice window. It's a good window for Hawthorne. It's a good window for Sam to take over. What a ride it's been, um, you know, the last 20 years or whatever, you know, say 40 years, 50 years really for Hawthorne fans. Um, but let's let's look, wait and see. Um, there's a premiership in the in the, in the the 2020s for Hawthorne. Um, and there's going to be some ingredients added in the years to come. But when they talk about a footy club or a footy team establishing a foundation, it's not that these players these 22 players that play in round one are going to play in an next premiership. I'd say maybe eight to 12 of them will. Um, there'll be ingredients added over the next in the ensuing years. And um, I'm just looking forward to that ride. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm still, as a kid growing, growing up a Hawthorne fan, as a guy that was so lucky to get to play for them um, and have that connection. And then post-football, I've got all my family back for Hawthorne. They love the Hawthorne experience. Um, so I love both my clubs, um, but... You know, I spent five years at Hawthorne being appreciated and, uh, you know, I, I still get to talk about things like this with people who are grateful for, for their footy club and the players that represent it. So, yeah, it's cool. And Sam is, you know, he's, an, he's, an, he's, a, he's the idol of so many Hawthorne fans. And I think everyone wants to see him do well. So, and I think this is um, a good way to go about it. You know, in a long story short, a great way to go about it. Go get him, Sam. And, um, yeah, you'll probably show him again, mate. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody's rooting against that, Paul. That's for sure. So um, I want to take you back. You've mentioned that you were you were a Hawthorne supporter, um, and and off air you began telling us your your Hawthorne origin story. Would absolutely love to get that on the record because um, I think you know we're, we're coming into round one, Hawthorne versus Essendon. Um, you know your two teams. Uh, it's the 40, 40th anniversary of the uh, nineteen eighty three grand final and the Hawks insiders are going to be doing some stuff around that and the club definitely is as well um tell us about growing up as a Hawthorne supporter and then um you know I guess you're you know a snapshot into your career at Essendon and then back to the the Hawks uh yeah happy to um uh, the uh yeah this this is the story I'm about to share is kind of um my favorite uh story in my football kind of journey and uh Hope it makes sense at the end. It may come across a little self-indulgent at times. I don't mean it to, but uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I wasn't born into a Hawthorne household. Dad grew up in um, in Camberwell uh, and played district cricket um, for Hawthorne. Uh, my uncle John Salmon played Hawthorne cricket, uh, district cricket, and played Victoria. So there's Hawthorne connection. So I, I followed Dad. My brothers have played very for Collingwood and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I, yeah, I grew up down to footy training. My whole junior footy um, uh, life was spent in the Hawthorne number 26, which is Hutto. Uh, he was my idol. I couldn't wait to get off, you know, in the afternoon after watching Dad play the seniors out in North Ringwood and um, see how many goals Hutto had kicked. And so, yeah, I idolised him so much. And then I, uh, as was way back then, uh, where you lived governed where you played. So I lived in Ringwood. It was Essendon zone. I had no choice in that um, little story that was going to play out. So I ended up spending the next 15, 16 years of my life travelling from eastern suburbs um, out to Essendon. And... Um, Love so much of, of that journey. There's no question about that. But then as fate would have it, I ended up at Hawthorne. Um, I got there a bit broken. So, you know, physically and mentally, I had a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, there's a lot of doubters about that that in that window of my life. And then I ended up playing five years there, which is fantastic. The guy that had passed me the contract um, when I got first got to Hawthorne was Peter Hudson. And just meeting him was such a buzz. I've said it before, he probably could have put just a bunch of zeros in that contract because I didn't even look. Was like okay, I'll sign here and let's go. Um, and so I was just so thrilled to meet him. Um, what a hero to meet! Uh, I know everyone knows Peter Hudson's a ripping bloke, um, 
and a great human, but he genuinely, so, you know, I love that moment. I got a chance to spend more time with him over the, the next few years. Anyway, so it's really rather odd. I mean, so I grew up idolizing him. I spent all this time at Essendon, 16 years. I get the Hawthorne at 31, my first year. As unlikely as it sounds, they'd name me in the team of century after five years at Hawthorne, which was a huge honor. Um, and that blew me away. But then they painted the team of the century team. And um, again, the footy, the universe, the footy gods, whatever you want to call them, did something pretty crazy and painted, um, Jamie Cooper painted me with my arm around Peter Hudson on that team of the century picture. Um, not significant to anyone else, but to me, the odds of that happening when I was six, let alone when I was 36, um, after my journey, mostly being at Essendon, was um, beyond comprehension. And then, so over my right shoulder, you're not, you're not going to see it, obviously, but um, is that Hawthorne team of the century um, picture. And I uh, occasionally will um, just shake my head when I see it because it's just a personal, special thing because um, Hutto was such a big part of my footy Footy journey. So for me, it's just a romantic story about sometimes crazy things can happen in a footy to an individual um, that you're least expecting, and they certainly did in my footy career, culminating in in that um, in that picture that Jamie Cooper did um, of the Hawthorne team of the century. So that's just a little yarn of a little kid who had a hero who um, ended up connected with him um, in a kind of really cool kind of way. Yeah, it's a cracking cracking story. So. Um... Following on from um, you playing and representing the club, Danny's actually just written an article about Hawks' uh, father-sons that we're looking ahead to. And um, we've been stooged the last couple of years with Ben Allen and uh, with Dean Anderson in terms of players just short. Now, you actually played 100 games for the club. Were, <laughs> a, were any of your kids ever in the frame from uh, following in your footsteps and playing footy? Uh, well, not really. I do have a son, um, Lockie, who's a fine cut of a young man. He's 32 now, but um, he turned out being about 6'4", 6'5", and uh, he was, uh, yeah, he's athletic, but he didn't have the um, desire to do it. He, uh, I think he got... Um, bombarded with his old man's too much in his his young life that uh, it turned him off footy a bit, I think. So, um, but he played with his mates for a couple of years. But no, the short answer is no. Uh, one of my daughters probably could have played AFLW if um, if that was the, the thing. The timing lined then. up. <laughs> but um, no, it's uh, yeah, they um, they didn't go in that direction. So sadly, I wish I had that. I wish one of my offspring had. Well, not wish. It would have been kind of nice if one of my offspring had that dilemma. You know, my son had to choose. I know I'd probably have a hunch where I might have, you know, pushed him across to, but um, uh, look, I, as I don't want to put Essen as a supporters offside. I kind of, <clears throat> I treasure my um, time in footy and my two clubs. So I'm, I'm a pretty lucky, uh, very lucky guy. No, well, not only is it a Hawthorne podcast, but there's only, I don't think you're in the Essendon team of the century, are you? Well, no, that's that's right. They did a, a Champions of Essendon, which um, had me land at 26 out of, so I, I was just on the fringe of that one. Stick um, with us. Stick yeah. with us. Talk to all the way, you reckon? Um, so just a, a quick one to finish off. Really grateful for your time. Round one, Prinzi mentioned before, Hawks versus the Bombers. Um, will you be there? And and how do you see that playing out? Uh, most likely, yes. And who knows? Uh, there's, there's a lot of X factor about the Hawks um, going into the season because you've got to like, the way our back line's taking shape. And I think, you know, people think Sis will end up being captain. And around him, he's got some great soldiers, uh, some really talented 
uh, footballers. You know, I'm, I'm going to be curious about what um, uh, Sam does with guys like Will Day this year, um, where he plays him, um, what he does with Granger Barras. I think, you know, Granger Denver's obviously a, a defender at heart, but there's going to be some interesting decisions and structural decisions for Sam. Um, the Bombers, there's the more expectation on the Bombers year, this year than there is on the Hawks. Um, if the Bombers get off to a, a flaky start by going down to the Hawks, then that's that's not the start. That's the worst start possible for Essendon. So Hawthorne have this nice way entering the game. Um, nothing to lose, really. No one's going to jump on their throats or Sam down, Sam's neck if they lose, but uh, they're more than capable of winning. More than capable of winning, and that would be a, an enormous start for the Hawks. Um, so a lot of pressure on the Bombers even in round one, uh, which is not what they want. But um, that's the way. And Hawthorne Essendon, you know, everyone talks about the rivalry. It's kind of maybe it dates itself over the years, but um, it's still there. Um, two proud clubs. Essendon has been through a lot of crap over the last ten years. Uh, we're reading more of that lately. About that lately. So I think if you want to be impartial about it, you know, you'd want the best for the Bombers going forward. But yeah, um, Hawks. Um, uh, I'm really looking forward to the year. I can't wait to see what transpires in 2023 for the Hawthorne Footy Club. And what we're going to get is a couple of superstars um, uh, announce themselves, and um, that's that. That'll be without doubt, uh, which is something to look forward to in itself. For sure, it definitely is an exciting time, and I, I don't think there are many uh, supporters worried about win loss as opposed to exactly as you just mentioned who are going to be the gems that we unearth that are part of that 12, 13, 14, that as you predict this decade, we should be winning another flag and, and we'll be part of that. So we're looking forward to that. Um, Fish, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to relive um, not only the preseason in general, but the special day for a lot of us, the 1999 ANSET Cup Grand Final. Um, wish you well with everything you've got going on uh, in your, your personal and business life and and really looking forward to getting you back on next time. We'll find another, uh, <laughs> another gem to chat to you about. Uh, please do. It's been nice to meet you boys and uh, great, great work. Um, and I enjoyed the last, uh, how, I don't know, we've been on two hours. How, how long have we spent together? <laughs> well, it's still like five like minutes. It was great. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Princey, uh, nice little uh, podcast there. How are you feeling about that? Fantastic. Um, yeah, could probably just keep talking and keep talking, I think. That's the uh, the beauty of being able to reminisce about enjoyable times and and, and your heroes. I was at the at that at the 99 uh, Anzac Cup Grand Final as a 12-year-old boy, and uh, you know that's that's what your dreams and your and and your sort of childhood is made of, and especially because you know I went to school in a period of time where the Hawks weren't that great. Um, you used to cop a fair bit of flack when your team wasn't good at footy uh, when you're at school, so that was something that I hung my hat on for my school uh, school time, and and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I just remember that night vividly, and um, it's great to be able to talk about it with uh, with the best man on the ground that night. I was there too. Very, very special night. Looking forward to pushing this pot out to everyone so that you can hear the Fisher's story. There'll be an article coming out about it as well. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening in. Of course, you can catch all of our stuff, Hawks Insiders, through our Substack or at Hawks Insiders on socials. Uh, $5 a month, $50 a year for all the greatest Hawks content. Please make sure you give us a follow and look forward to catching you again soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.